What's up, kids? I am back. I mean, for you, it doesn't really seem like I've been away, but I've actually been away for ten days. Ten whole days I've been in Canada, um, as many of you know from from the old uh, social media, um, Instagram and whatnot and the, and the like. This is actually a repeat uh, podcast, which is, I mean, it might be a repeat. It could be a repeat podcast. I think I've done one before about traveling and solo traveling and how you should do solo travel and whatnot. Um, and then I also recorded um, this whole podcast, uploaded it, and then decided that I didn't like it a couple of days before I was going to go live. Uh, as you may notice, if you're watching the video, I'm not drinking coffee today. I'm on root beer. Which is something I discovered I enjoy uh, whilst out in Canada. There's a, a brand called Barks. Which was was delicious. But I'm back. Uh, I'm fairly knackered. I, I didn't sleep, or I did sleep, but I didn't sleep very well on the way back. I got like a, a late night flight. And I would like to uh, prefix this uh, podcast by acknowledging that the fact that I get to travel and the fact that I get allowed to do this is, is privileged. It's something which I'm only able to do because of the money I have. Um, and so I don't want you to think of myself as ungrateful, despite the fact that I don't seem very, um, I don't know, maybe word, words enthused. Perhaps enthused is, is the right word. I don't know. A few people have mentioned it. Like, I, I kind of came back. I got the train back from Manchester Airport to Scunthorpe, which is my hometown and where my parents live. Um, and they gave me kind of like a, a lift back to, to where I actually live. And my mum kind of remarked, I was like, well, you know, what did you do? What did you do on a trip? And I'm thinking, well, I can't really give you an account by account 10 day thing. So what do I just, do I pick individual aspects to tell you about? Or do I... I don't know. What do you want to know? I don't, and this is a genuine problem. I don't know what people want to know because I don't know what people find interesting. I know what I found interesting about the trip, and that's what we're going to go into today. Um, but I don't know. It's the same with any trip I've ever taken. It's, you know, what did you do? What? And I'm like, well, I did lots of things, but what do I, what do I tell them about? What do, I, what do they want to know? I don't, I don't really... I don't really get it, so, you know, it's just like one of those many social interaction things. And today I went to see a couple of good friends of mine, and, um, you know, they expected me to be a little bit hype about coming back, you know, about coming off my holiday. I'm not, I'm just the same. I have one level. This is what we're discovering. I have a singular level of enthusiasm, um... When it comes to happiness and excitement, apparently, and it, I don't really vary off that level. Maybe it's because, as I've said in other things, I kind of I balance myself to such an extent that it's become a negative in my life. It's very hard to tell whether I'm interested or happy about things. The mustache doesn't help either. You always see the mustache; it kind of hides the sides of your lips, um, so you can't really tell tell if I'm smiling. But what I wanted to talk about today was this whole idea of travel. So, to give you a brief overview, I went to Canada for 10 days uh, on my own, and I road-tripped from Toronto to Ottawa, and I hit things along the way. Now, some people have told me that this was a very brave thing to do. I do not think it was brave, and part of the reason I wanted to kind of chat and talk to you is because I don't think it should be considered brave. So, First off, what I did was is kind of small. I did 10 days, and I road-tripped from one city to another. Now, it's only a four-hour drive from one city to another, so really, all I did was elongate that so I can just, you know, do things along the way and see things along the way. But what I also did was I went to an extremely safe place. You know, it's a Western um, country, 
it's huge, hugely modernized. Essentially, their culture is almost, uh, in terms of technological advancement, in terms of the way they do things, is almost identical to the country I'm in. And this was the same as when I took my last solo trip, or last big solo trip, uh, out of the country, which was to Bruges. Again, European city, massive tourism industry. So essentially, the places I picked to go... I don't really consider brave because they're not that different from the society I'm living in now. Obviously, there's cultural differences and obviously there's there's barriers and especially in Bruges where there was language barrier. But especially in this one was there's no language barrier. You know, they all speak English. A lot of them speak French. And I do. I, I can't do French. I'm, I'm, I'm not a language person. I struggle with languages. Um, but there's no, you know, there's no real fear. It's as, it's as dangerous or as threatening as me going to London or Manchester for the day on my own. It's not a big deal, and I kind of want to remove that stigma for a lot of people that they see it as a big deal. I mean, you know, if you're going to call it brave, it's also along the lines of stupid. And this is something I tweeted about, um, you know, brave and stupid is a very fine line. And if this is considered brave, then it's also considered stupid, because it should be. You know, it's the same level of of, of risk-taking involved as, as any other trip. Now, I get why some people might think this is brave. You know, you're 10 days isolated from anyone you know. Um, I don't need to think that I'm not I'm not aware of, of what, why this might be considered. Um, it's, you know, it's 10 days um, isolated from anyone you know, uh, away from family, friends, if they're a huge part of your life. It can be hard, but again, you're in a, a pretty modern place. It's very easy to stay in contact. Um, the way I did it was just got a SIM card, a pre-braid SIM, so it allowed me data, which meant I could just contact anyone I wanted at any time. Uh, I also used it as my sat-nav, so I never really got lost. Um, Google Maps also does an offline mode, so you can use that for directions and all those kind of things. So there's loads of little fail-safes you can put in place, and that essentially is my advice. If you see something like I've done... Um, and you want to go and do something, essentially what you've got to do is just stack your fail six. It's not even about intricate planning. My trip had very little intricate planning. This, again, was what kind of surprised people, was that I, I kind of booked locations. I booked hotels, uh, motels, B&Bs uh, to stay in along the way. But outside of that, I didn't really plan anything. I only had one event to go to, which was the Zine Fair, uh, which I did. You can see... In the background of this video as the suitcase, uh, the zine case, um, which I take to things. And that's that was basically my, my plan. I was revolving a trip around just one single event, and the rest of it was just I'll make it up as I go along. So I did. And for a lot of people, that can be hugely anxiety-inducing. But let me tell you this. There is always something to do. And a lot of places are used to travelers, so you're always going to be accommodated. Obviously, there's going to be some negative interactions. But you can't avoid that. I can't avoid that going out into the street. Today, on my way back, someone yelled at me for no reason. That could have happened anywhere. It did happen in Toronto. Someone yelled at me in French. But you kind of just have to take that. That could happen anywhere. Don't let that put you off. But I think the reason why I encourage solo travel, even if... See, this is the other thing. A lot of people are saying, oh, you know, why do solo travel? And then because I'm uh, single, uh, living alone, etc., it seems kind of obvious that I do solo travel because I don't really have much choice about going with friends and family. I do not have the loved one, the coupley loved one, to go with. Um, and I'll get onto that in a moment. But even if you're in a couple, I kind of encourage solo travel. 
because I don't feel I don't feel like when you're in a relationship that you need to stop developing as a person outside of your relationship. It kind of irritates me when you see couples become one another and they only do things together and they only go out together and they kind of cut off friends and they cut off family and they kind of just embody this little little pocket it's like no you know go do things on your own go to events on your own you have an interest and perhaps your partner's not involved in it or they're not quite into it they don't have to be there all the time you can go meet talk and then you know come back and tell them about it and if they're in a good relationship they'll be excited to hear about it that's hugely important so outside of this you should just you should just go through this. I think anyone should do solo travel. And I think it's a huge learning experience which allows you to, one, see more of the world. Two, it can be very fun. And three, there is a few things you can do to make it a lot easier on yourself, uh, which I certainly do and have done through the last couple of years, um, which I'm, I'm kind of going to go into now as we do. But also, I'm just going to track back a little bit because that's what we also do on this podcast, if you haven't noticed. So also, um, so as we were saying, I'm, you know, I'm quite, oh dear, I'm quite independent as a person. Um, and I'm, you know, I live alone, I be alone. <laughs> I live alone and I be alone. I be alone. Yes, I am alone. Uh, but I don't see alone as a negative thing. And this isn't just me trying to placate the fact that I'm single. No, essentially, I see people as independent people regardless of who you are. If you're in a relationship and I met you as a couple, I see you as individuals and then it just happens to be that you're together. And this isn't that I don't respect relationships or anything like that. I fully do. I fully respect that people, you know, want to be with an individual for their entire lives. What I, I kind of, I don't want detraction from is the fact that you are individuals. You are chemically, medically, everything different to the person that you're with. You have a lot of overlapping and that's why you are together. Um, so as a person, when I'm on my own, I'm very comfortable on my own. I always have been, even from being a kid. Playing alone was my go-to. The idea of talking to other people and dealing with other people was hugely, uh, not anxiety-driving, but just, it did not appeal to me. I can be alone for ages and just not be bothered by it. So when it came to travel and came to this idea of me wanting to go see places, in my head, the logical idea is, well, why wouldn't I? You know? Some people look at it and go, oh, well, I'm on my own. I can't really do it. I don't, I don't, I feel like I have to go with someone. You don't. You really don't. You can just go out and do things. And I feel like you, you're not better for it, but it's, it's developmental in a way which you couldn't even imagine. You know, the things I've seen and done whilst out on my own, even though they weren't these, these life-changing, perhaps third world country trips or trips where you go see things which you, you know, really blow your mind because I've gone to modernized places the things which I've seen and done I couldn't have experienced without doing I couldn't have been through without doing things and in a way I have a little little thing when I'm on these trips that my brain just doesn't register what I'm doing you know I was sat in the middle of Canada drinking a cup of coffee on my own which I've, I've kind of got there on my own and my brain just doesn't click that. My brain just goes, oh, well, you know, this could be anywhere. This could be back at home. This could be our living room. This could be any any situation. So that anxiety is just kind of all removed and the the excitement in the moment is just kind of all removed because it's my, my mind's just going, well, no, we're okay. You know, this could be anywhere. The fact that we sat on a plane for eight hours doesn't really 
doesn't really context that. So, brings us on to the point of today's podcast, um, which is, is kind of a couple of things. First off, I'm going to make a couple of notifications. No, not a couple of notifications. Uh, a couple of uh, observations about Canada. And, and then, secondly, I'm just going to go into a little bit of how you can survive solo travel. So a few observations about Canada, if you would ever decide to go to Canada and if you would go to the places uh, that I went to. So where did I go to? Well, originally I started in Toronto. I was there for a day. Um, then I rented a car and drove up to Algonquin Park, which is one of the largest or the largest uh, national park in Canada. And then drove back down to the river uh, where Belleville is. Uh, oh, I know. I, I stayed in Peterborough in between there. So I, I started in Toronto, Peterborough, Algonquin Park, Belleville. Um, oh, then I went to a place called Morrisburg and then over to Ottawa. And then from Ottawa, I went back to Toronto because that's where my flight So essentially what I did was I stayed in Ontario and I explored that whole area for about 10 days. Now, if you were going to Canada for a metropolitan city, large city experience, you want to be in Toronto. If you are going there for history and oh, pardon me, art and all the things which are associated with a nice casual city holiday, you want to be in Ottawa. If you were going for nature, go to Algonquin. That is about as much information as I can give you about location-wise and my experience within them. There's... There's a level of strangeness which comes from being in a Western culture, which is slightly different to your own. Now, obviously, in Europe, when I've been to Europe, there is a, so many similarities because we're Britain's in the EU. Not for long. Um, <laughs> terrifying sentence to say. Um, but, you know, you see a lot of things which you're like, yeah, okay, this is exactly the same. The way you pay for things, the cards are all the same. The machines are all the same. Um, they're just in different languages. So you can kind of default autopilot things. When you go to the US or go to Canada, things are so slightly different. So for instance, I had to go get a credit card because I have a debit card as my standard card, um, which in the UK is is the main accepted way of payment. You know, things called chip and pin, that's just a standard way of doing things. In the US and Canada, they're not. It's, can it's credit cards. Everyone's got credit cards. And if you don't have one, that can cause problems. Um, you know, gas stations um, or petrol stations, you, you drive up to them and the machines are slightly different. In the US, I remember we had to pay before you fill up. That's a huge difference. In the UK, that would that'd be unheard of. You you put the stuff in your car and then you go pay for it. That's the way things work. Or you pay the machine. Luckily, all the ones I ran into, you paid in the machine. So it didn't become a huge thing. Tea and coffee in hotel and motel rooms. In the UK, that's pretty standard. That's in every, every hotel and motel room. But in the US and Canada, that is not standard. You know, it's these little things which remind you you're not in the city or in the country that you thought you were. And you kind of just have to get used to them. One of the main differences for me was when driving. Um, I mean, I found driving on the right extremely easy, which was surprising. Um, and I had an automatic car. Again, it became extremely easy. But uh, speed limits seem to be completely advisory. <laughs> and that's it. it may sound the same. But... Uh, so obviously things are done in kilometers while you're out there, which isn't that big a deal. You know, you, you're just looking at the speedo and you just pay attention to the speedo on the side of the road. But nobody seems to pay attention to the side of the road and the side, speed signs. And this, I spoke to a German couple and they were saying exactly the same thing. They were very surprised in a country where law enforcement is one of their, like, their big things. Um, and, you know, North America and America, they're, they're, that's meant to be their thing. They have a very strict police. Um, you know, speed limit 80. 
or 100 kilometers an hour, and nobody was doing the speed limits apart from me. I was doing it because I didn't want to get pulled over. And the more I think about it, it probably would have got me pulled over. Um, but nobody just, just nobody seemed to pay attention to it. And it, it struck me as a very odd thing. Um, I don't know, food, food's very different, but it's not. Again, it's it's like being in a slightly altered universe because you've got all of these things which are so familiar. Um, you know, like I went to a drugstore or a pharmacy um, to buy uh, after sun because I got sunburned and trying to find it was... Pff, I had to ask for help because I couldn't find it because I didn't know any of the brands and reading all these aisles was, was driving me insane. Uh, <laughs> but this is the, this is the point. One of the reasons I go to kind of Western countries and modernized countries is that, one, they're used to travelers. But two, you can kind of get away with just asking for help. And this, I think, is something which a lot of people forget when they travel, is people are used to people just asking for help. You know, people in drugstores, people in, in shops, they're all there to help. That's essentially what they're employed for. It's the same as when you're in your country. If I was in a supermarket and I couldn't find something, I would ask someone to help me find it. That doesn't change the country you're in, especially if you're going to a modernized country, because that's the whole idea behind customer service. And I'll be honest, you can get a lot away with a lot more if you're willing to just be a little bit naive. This was something which I found um, quite a lot, and I found quite a lot on my travels, is that if I'm feeling a bit anxious bit nervous about doing something, don't really know how something works. If I pretend to be more naive to the situation than I actually am, the person dealing with me doesn't get irritated with me. And that's just the truth. If I go in and I'm asking in a very forthright manner, how do I do this, where is this, and why can't I find this, that's going to get a negative reaction. Because I've worked in customer service, that's not what you want. You don't want to be ordered around. You're having a long day. You don't want to deal with things. If someone comes in and they're kind of polite and they just seem a bit lost, they'll help you. You know, someone will help you, whether you, whether it's in a, a, a nice, friendly manner or whether it's in more of a forthright, it's their situation. They will help you because something in their brain goes, this person needs help. So, you know, that's tip number one. Be willing to be a little naive. One huge way I did that was trying to figure out um, money. Um, so obviously notes and, notes and stuff. Uh, but with change in other countries, I... I don't know why. I struggle to figure out change and paying with change. So what I tend to do is I hold my hand out and I look through it. And then what they do is they just reach in and they take the exact change. And away they go. You know, it, it's just that little thing. It's just I'm not manipulating people. I'm just helping them. And then they feel like a little bit far right. And then you just make a little joke about not quite understanding the money out there and, and your nice British accent and... Well, okay, next reason you need to go and travel. Next reason you need to go and travel is because you need to learn the history of places. I knew a little bit about Canada. Just a little bit. That's why I wanted to go. But I also went to the Canadian uh, National Museum or the Canadian History Museum, and I learned so much about history. Of course, being British, most of that learning about history is basically just us turning up, committing a lot of genocide, and then moving along. But that's my cross to bear as a British person. But 
you need to know these things and you need to see the impact it has. You can read all this stuff online, you can read this stuff in books, but you'll never get that experience which you had while out there. I saw so much stuff and got so much context to everything I've ever read. And also it helps you understand the people. It helps you understand why people are the way they are, why people have the reservations they have, why you know economies are situated in the way that they are. It all plays into each other. And being in the art world and interested in art, I also got to see loads of things which inspired me. I re- I'm doing Inktober at the minute. Um, I did a drawing uh, based on the Inuit style of Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. My Inktober's Muppet-based, don't ask. Um, and just like little things like that, seeing all this extra work which I never would have got, uh, kind of garnished or seen. I went to see classical artwork and I went to see uh, some of the Romantic period stuff and I ran into one of the, my favourite paintings of all time, which I didn't even know was in the museum, uh, by Francis Bacon and the Pope on the chair. I had the opportunity to go do this. But at the same time, I also got all these extra little pieces which I had never even expected to be there. And that's the essentially the importance of travel. That's why you go and do these things. You go to random places, you go to the places you want to see, and you go see the things you want to see, but you you, you can't account for all the extra little experiences you'll have whilst you're out there. Uh, one of the best moments I had was whilst I was in Toronto, and I went and got coffee, and I was just people watching. Just watching people interact. You know, I was having nice coffee. I got coffee and a muffin for $5, which I thought was a great deal, because the muffin was delicious, and so was the coffee. And that right there it it made everything worth it it made that trip um despite the fact that i'd seen amazing views and all these kinds of things it just kind of solidified the moment of yeah this was the right decision this was why i came out here and what i wanted to do not to mention just having a holiday in general okay so a couple of more tips um something which i do in the UK, and something which I do everywhere is is this whole idea, and I think I've spoken to it before, that a lot of people get anxious about being stopped, people asking for your help, um, and dealing with those certain kind of social situations, especially in other languages. Now, my trick is essentially, I try not to look like a tourist. Hard to do if you're in a place where, you know, they don't have people like look like who look like you, but also... There's a very there's a lot of giveaways for tourism. Um, one, looking lost. Two, having a map out. Uh, three, wearing your camera around your neck. Um, I'm sure there's a fourth or a fifth here. Uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of giveaways, and you can see it. You can see it by watching other tourists. You can see how people react to people who are tourists. Um, but I tend to walk with purpose, even if I don't know where I'm going. I just put some headphones in. And I start walking. Even if I have my camera out, my camera tends to be on my side. It doesn't tend to be in my hands. It's also locked in, so it can't be stolen. But I'm just walking like I know where I'm going. I walk like I'm going to work. You know, take my time, walk walk naturally, pay attention to what's going on around you. And even if you're in a couple, you know, you're dawdling about, just walk like you know where you're going. Like you don't even need the map. Have the map on your phone. That's a great trick. Um, you set up Google Maps, put directions on there for mapping. Pop your headphones in, pop it in your pocket. You're getting directions without even looking at a map. That's hugely important. It also makes you feel very comfortable because nobody's really paying attention to you, and nobody is paying attention to you. And nobody wants to know you there. They've got their own lives, and this is something which you need to remember. Nobody's going to stop you on the street because they have their own lives. 
And, as bad as it sounds, if someone does stop you in your street, you can just say, sorry, man, I ain't got time, in the same way that you would in the regular country you're from. That's a huge thing. But that's that. The last bit of advice I would give you is, so I spoke about this when I went to, on my trip to Bruges, um, that the anxiety I have of approaching restaurants and service and not knowing how systems work, just does generally um, prevent me from doing some things. And this is a kind of thing which I've accepted and I try to push past, um, like with the muffin story, which I just told. You know, even in a Western country, you can look at places and think, I don't know, I don't really want to go in there, do things wrong. Um, I mean, no one's going to get mad at you for doing things wrong. No one is. Uh, some places don't look friendly. That's fine. You know, you don't have to push yourself too much. This is one thing which I'm trying to get over. Um, but there is a fail-safe I always have in mind that if I can't. So the whole, what I'm talking about is this idea that I don't tend to go into restaurants or pubs or anything like that if I'm on my own because the anxiety of going in there and not knowing what to do, do I sit down, do I wait to be seated, you know, what if I sit down and they yell at me, all that kind of stuff, it just kind of creeps back to this me being shy in general. But there is a fail-safe. And the fail-safe is that businesses you know are in other countries so for instance in canada one of my fail safes was subway um, and supermarkets just like it was in bruges if i'm lost or if i'm you know having a bit of a moment of anxiety and feeling a bit lost and out of place i always know there are places where i do know the systems and it sounds bad that i would choose these mass-produced products starbucks subway you name it um over the nice artisanal independent places but for me it's a catch it's something which goes no this is something i know this is something i'm familiar with i'm already doing this huge thing which is traveling and and getting about i don't need that extra stress and it's just nice it's nice to know what you're doing um and it can be a huge bit of comfort so if you do decide to solo travel you decide to go on your own or even in a pair if you if you get out there and you feel like you can't do anything just remember that you know these corporate businesses and these big businesses have made their business by keeping everything the same and everything basically is the same um so you can just go and give yourself that peace of mind and also it helps build your confidence a little bit i think or it does for me um going and through and doing things this summer i had in toronto uh, i got to toronto i was in a bad mood i had walked 25 minutes carrying heavy bags to a hotel um the area i was in wasn't as i expected and all these kinds of things and there was a lot of stuff piling up and mounting and just kind of getting to me so all i did was grab my wallet grab my phone i went out i hit what did i hit i think it was an a&w um which is basically just a burger joint real simple real straight to the point take out got through that interaction because the same interaction you had in every single fast food joint ever and went back to my room and ate and i just felt so much better i felt like i'd done something to be proud of and it, it's not it's it's just like just a casual thing for anybody in any country it'd be the same as going to mcdonald's but it was that little victory and that little victory gave me enough kind of pep energy to go out the next day and do more things and that's all it's about, is just providing yourself with those little victories so you can do the next thing. And that's, it sounds weird, but I kind of run on autopilot in a situation of anxiety, especially on solo travel, because 
my brain just disconnects that this is a huge thing. You know, it disconnects that there's anything exceptional going on and just allows me to deal with the situation at hand. You know, renting a car. Cool, I'm renting a car. Fair enough. I'm in that car. All right, well, I'm just going to drive over there. As long as I hit the right side of the road, someone can pip at me all they want. But it doesn't, you know, it it doesn't matter because someone could do that in the UK. I've had road ra- people have road rage incidented me in the UK and it was awful. In fact, it's probably worse when you're in the UK because you know exactly what they're saying. If someone pips at you when you're in a wrong country, you just turn off, pull over to the side of the road, don't worry about it. They're having a bad day and you were having a bad day. It's dealt with. All I'd like to say is you should encourage people to travel. You should encourage people to go do things. And if you're running solo, you should go do things. Because this is my other point is that if you're on your own or even in a couple and you want to go do something and your other half's not not really sure about it, you should go and do it anyway. Because what else are you going to do? And that seems like such an obvious point. You know, if I hadn't done these trips, what else had I done? Had I stayed home and done what I always do? That's no way to live a life. That's no way to you know, see the world, explore the things I want to explore. As a person, an adult, I've been lucky enough and privileged enough to have the finance to be able to go do some of these things, have the time to be able to go do some of these things. And I think it would be extremely ungrateful of me and selfish of me to waste the opportunity. So that's why I push myself to do these things. And that's generally how I get through life and how I think other people should do it. But maybe you completely disagree. Maybe you don't. Who knows? Let me know about your experiences um, of solo travel. What do you do to cope? How do you get through things? There's a few tips and tricks which I've kind of picked up along the way. If you'd like to know more about my uh, trip on Canada, um, I imagine I'll be posting some photographs. And I may do another a blog a uh, podcast about just Canada in general. Until then, I'd like to encourage you to get out and go do some things. You know, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.